Thank you, Dick, for the uh, intro. I was just thinking this morning as I jumped onto the prayer time before the worship that uh, spent many, many moments in the parking lot of your church <laughs> as we would be together. Um, I met uh, Pastor Dick there in the parking lot. We would commute then from your area to uh, the Boston area for the first immersion that we were part of, along with uh, Tim McIntyre, who's a pastor down in Staten Island. And uh, wow, I just got to say um, right off the top that um, it was, I know Zoom is limited to sight and sound, but there was a wonderful aroma in the prayer time for service. Um, honor to be part of it and uh, got a real good sense of the the depth of the hearts that were part of that and uh, or your church fellowship, your church family. Very, very pleased to be part of that. And uh, also uh, the worship time has been pretty sweet. Um, really enjoying being with you. And uh, now I have incentive not only to come at some point after COVID is to see the, uh, the, uh, the your actual sanctuary with people in it, because I've only seen it empty. <laughs> But um, now that, you know, Barb has extended the invitation for uh, turkey soup, um, now I have even more incentive to come and be part of that. <laughs> Looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, so really excited. Uh, the excitement is building because as uh, I saw the ESD being typed in the chat bar, um, it's just astounding to me. Maybe it shouldn't be, uh, but I get excited by the smallest of things and I had no idea what ESD was until this morning. And um, we, we're going to look almost at every one of those letters in some way or, or another in the message today. Really excited about the way God synchronizes uh, the word and synchronizes hearts to do his will. So um, I want to begin with just a, a short prayer and then um, message for today. Father, I thank you for the honor of being, first of all, just in your presence and being in a place uh, through technology to worship you with brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for your goodness, uh, for your beauty. Thank you for your calling on every one of our lives because every one of us truly is a missionary. And uh, Thank you for taking us on the journey of growing, developing, becoming more and more like Jesus. So this morning, as we take a deeper dive into the aspect of our character uh, before you, God, and before our fellow brothers and sisters, I pray, God, that you would speak to each of us and uh, hear from you. Amen. So I really enjoyed the music this morning, and um, as I spent time with the Lord before um, my final preps, I was listening to a song by Lauren Daigle, and I just want to share part of a line from that song that speaks directly to where we're going today. Uh, the title of the song is Salt and Light, but the line goes, Oh, the beauty of the King, you make righteous those who seek. You have written and redeemed my story. Let my life be a song revealing who you are. And so this morning, 
as was shared already, I just want to share it again. The key truth this morning is that the disciples' heart is a reservoir of life experiences that must be articulated for the king's cause. And so I want to begin uh, by asking you a question. And uh, the question is this, have you ever been in one of those conversations where the, the person that begins sharing, it begins to, you can tell something is stirring in them and they begin to authentically tell part of their life story. And as, as they unfolded the, the experiences, um, you were just riveted by it because you knew something, something big was going on as they were sharing that part of their story. Maybe it was um, on a retreat and uh, in the downtime uh, between sessions or, or after everything was over and you're sitting around and, uh, and someone begins to share something from their life and you knew it was, it was deep and powerful. Or maybe it was um, in a small group setting or um, maybe it was in a just what seemed to be a random conversation, but uh, ultimately something of deep value was shared in that conversation. What I want to focus on this morning and the purpose of this message is to catalyze our thinking about the power of our story. Over the next few weeks, you're going to be exposed to some terminology that is designed to give you resources and handles for reflecting on your own life story. The, the terminology itself is kind of geological in nature. Um, it, 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 it actually, it's all the same letter begins each of the words. The first word is like eruption and they're geological, right? So eruption would be as in a volcanic eruption that signifies something bubbling up from deep within. And, and it's often sparked by a significant event or even a trauma in your life. Eruptions, uh, when, they're, when they're positive, are probably what we enjoy the most. And, uh, they feel very spiritual when they happen, those eruptions. There's other uh, types of descriptors for things that each of us go through in life. Another one would be an earthquake. Earthquake as in those moments or seasons when everything seems to be shifting haphazardly under your feet and you lose your bearings, your foundations get wobbly. Earthquakes are those big dramatic moments that could really redirect your whole life. And then there's erosion. Erosion is another geological term. And in the terms of our life story, it's, it's those times in all of our lives when it seems like important foundational things are being swept away, right? Right swept away from us, leaving us at times feeling even alone or empty or just insufficient in ourselves. Erosions slowly reveal, though, treasure. And maybe we like these the least because of the experiences that we face. And they may seem the least spiritual to us at the time. God may even seem absent during times of erosion. But what I'd like to focus on this morning is the fourth E, the fourth experience that is geological in nature. That's the word excavation. Excavation is where we dig for God as we're faithful to spiritual disciplines that would involve an intentional look beneath the surface of any or all of the other types of experiences, as well as an in-depth look at the very seat of our personality and our being, which is our heart. In fact, 
I believe that excavation is the preliminary work of God in your life and in mine. And it's the discipline that allows us to experience his presence, which then naturally leads us into mission. Mike Breen writes of this in his fourth book on missional disciple making, which is entitled Leading Kingdom Movements. And this is what you will be exploring the month of January as you enter a new year. I want to communicate as best I can today that the journey and benefits of excavating your story is part of discipleship. Excavating your life story will yield powerful dividends in how God defines you and your unique call as one of his mission sent missionaries. Excavating your life story will provide you with a wellspring of missional motivation. And lastly, excavating your life story supplies you with connection points with others, particularly with persons of peace that God will bring across your pathway. I don't know about you, but I have found that walking with Jesus involves a journey of two parts. One is character building and shaping, and the other is competency building, and that is skills and abilities that he then employs for us to use for his kingdom. And for our purposes this morning, I'm using the concept of, of surgery to explain in a more comprehensive way what is involved in excavation. So I'm glad that earlier uh, Rachel had asked you to type some things in the chat bar, and I'm going to ask you to, to consider doing that right now. And I, I, I found that with Zoom, it's sometimes too easy to kind of lapse into a TV mentality. You know, things happen on the screen and we just kind of take them in. But Zoom does give us the opportunity to interact. And uh, even maybe not necessarily by unmuting, which is always funny when we get into Zoom settings, because we always have to have that, oh, you're unmuted <laughs> to somebody. Um, with the chat bar, it gives you the opportunity to use your keyboard and to think and to use um, that means of interaction. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to, I'm going to say two words. And I want you to be, think about what those two words bring to your mind. The words are heart surgery. Heart surgery. What images come to your mind? What descriptions, what thoughts or feelings, maybe even what experiences do you have? Those two words, heart surgery. And as you do that, um, yeah, oh, wow, these are great. In fact, that word invasive was one that I was thinking of as I was kind of going through my mind of what came to my mind with heart surgery. Absolutely. Yeah, these are great words. I want you to actually take a good look at them uh, because I think they will be helpful as we take a look at the message this morning. I'm going to try and pull up my chat. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Scary and scary. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Oh, my. So good. Yeah. Second chance. True. Miracle of modern medicine. Vulnerable. Bloody. Yeah. Yeah. Risky. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. All right. We're off to a great start with that. So as, as those images and words begin kind of rolling through your mind this morning, I want to ask you the next question. And that is, do you know 
that Jesus wants to do heart surgery on you. It seems to be a pattern that holds true throughout scripture. Those whom Jesus calls, he puts in the queue for some serious cardiac corrections. The scripture that was read, the Old Testament scripture, uh, just one verse from Solomon, Proverbs 4.23, puts us on alert regarding this intention of the maker of our hearts. When the writer of the Proverbs says, above all else, which should always get our attention, right? Above all else, guard your heart, for from it, from your heart, flows the wellspring of life. For the few moments I have with you this morning, I want you to consider if you've been under the knife yet. I want to begin by highlighting just a few of the many people in scripture history who had heart surgery performed on them by either the Holy Spirit himself or one of his understudies. Here's a quick non-exhaustive survey. The Samaritan woman, as she encountered Jesus by the well at midday, it's pretty evident as we read that story that Jesus was able in a short conversation to perform heart surgery on her, revealing her heart to herself and having such an impact on her that she went back to tell everybody that she knew what had just happened. Or how about Paul? We're not exactly sure who did all, from a human standpoint, all of the heart surgery on the apostle. But we do know it's Holy Spirit for sure. And I can't help but imagine that it was some of his own very close teammates that he traveled around the Roman Empire. As they sat around, I'm sure at times, debriefing on their experiences. And Paul began to come to grips with who he was and even some of his own shortcomings. I believe it was not only the Holy Spirit, but team members who spoke into Paul's life and asked certain questions of him to cause him to come to the end of himself. How about Peter? Peter, whose unique and let's just be honest, embarrassing stories are told in scripture. John, okay, who was uh, probably a lifelong business partner. And then Mark, who we understand to be was a scribe for Peter, captured some of the high points and also some of the low points of Peter's own experience engaging with Jesus. How about Mary? How about Mary as Dr. Luke did some surgery on her? And then how about you? Who was or is or will be the surgeon that performs heart surgery on you? Over the next couple Sundays, as you journey into the uncharted waters of a new year, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, I have the honor of preparing you for a series of messages on the excavation of your life story. And so we're still, as was mentioned earlier, we're still in the Christmas season. So what does heart surgery have to do with Christmas? I'm sure you were about to ask that question. Well, we know what we know. We know what we know about Jesus' birth because a heart surgeon named Luke performed a very careful, precise surgery on, on the heart of the one human being who could have provided those unique powerful details as recorded in the second chapter of Luke's gospel. That one eyewitness who testified to those things was none other than Mary, 
who was, as Luke makes the comment, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So how did this happen? How did this interview, which turned into a form of heart surgery, how did it occur? So the more I read and studied Luke's gospel, the more I appreciate not only his gospel account, but all the work that he put into his own writing and research. As he testifies in his introduction to his gospel, he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And at the heart of Luke's preparation, I have this strong sense that much more than some type of scholarly apologetic filled with academic statements was Luke's goal. Not merely mental persuasion, but in fact, just like every other disciple of Jesus, Luke's purpose was the utter transformation of the human heart and the redirected lifestyle that flows from a transformed heart. And so we come to this meticulous, yet intimately caring and careful conversation, a heartfelt interview, if you will, with the key eyewitness to Jesus' birth, Jesus' own mother, Mary. I believe it was in this truly awe-inspiring conversation between Mary and Dr. Luke that Luke, as the masterful gospel writer, asked all the right questions of Mary, which brought forth out of the storehouse of Mary's memory, the very information that formed the most extensive birth narrative known to the world. And I submit to you that the Holy Spirit inspired not only the words included in Luke's gospel, but also inspired the questions that Luke asked Mary in that tender interview. Where and how did this interview, if you will, take place? That's a very interesting question, isn't it? Here's what some scholars believe. Luke was a key part of Paul's missional disciple-making team. He had traveled a good bit around the Roman Empire with Paul, and Paul, towards the end of his heavy activity of travel, landed in Ephesus, and there he spent the longest recorded amount of time making tents, and training some key movemental leaders who would themselves invade Asia Minor with the gospel in his stead. And so this explains how Paul and Luke landed in Ephesus. Do you know who else was in Ephesus at this time? It is believed that the apostle John ended up there as well. And as we know from the scene of the crucifixion, John, the apostle, was charged with taking care of Jesus' mother, Mary. Put it all together, you have in the same city the key eyewitness to the birth of Jesus and one of the key chroniclers of Jesus' life and work. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? 
And I believe as the Holy Spirit nudged Luke to research and to write, as he tells us in the first, his intro, he placed in his pathway the very person that would fill the opening lines of the Jesus story, his mother. So picture, if you will, this scene. Luke, a passionate Gentile convert, who is a learned man and a companion of Paul, Paul, whose life had been so radically turned around by a post-ascension appearance of that same Jesus. And now Luke is sitting together with Mary. And Luke leans in and with all the attentiveness, sincerity, and eagerness to learn, and yet with deep respect for this amazing woman of God, he asks her, Mary, tell me, what was it like that night, the night this was born? And then he waits with riveted attention for her to unfold all that had been treasured in her heart for years. I get emotional just thinking about that scene, don't you? And do you know what else gets me emotional? Even though we only have one birth story of the Savior that can be brought together by combining parts of Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. Interestingly, John and Mark don't even mention anything to do with what we call the nativity. I believe that every disciple of Jesus needs to have that same heart surgery performed on us so that our story, your God's story, might become known and articulated. I'm wondering this morning, have you had this kind of surgery? I have, and I'm not sure it's over yet, okay? I'm not sure I'm completely finished. And as anyone who has had literal heart surgery, as was mentioned in the chat bar, it's not easy but it is worth. As I'm sharing with you this morning, positioned in my office just off of my right shoulder, you can see the edge of a chair. This chair was my mom's chair for many years. My mom passed away in 1991, and it's now found a place in my office. It's not necessarily a beautiful chair. It is comfy though, but it was at this chair that during some of the darker days of my life, I would wake up every morning and kneel at that chair and open my heart up to my father and weep before him. This was my morning routine for the better part of a year. It reminds me of part of my story, which has deeply shaped who I am. And it was one of those deeply difficult seasons that we never want to have to go through, but after we've made it through, we learn things that could have come to us no other way. And it was through a, a kind friend, fellow disciple maker and leader who was willing to walk with me through those dark days and memories that I can say with certainty, I now know who I am in Christ because of that season. And as I've endured that season of heart surgery, it has opened up opportunities to impact others as well. Heart surgery, <laughs> excavation 
where we dig for God as as we're faithful to spiritual disciplines, as an intentional look beneath the surface exposed by any or all of those experiences of eruption or earthquake or erosion, as well as an in-depth look at the very seat of our personality and being, our hearts. Excavation is the preliminary work of God in our lives, and then a discipline that develops from that that allows us to experience his presence, which then leads us to passionate mission. Have you had heart surgery? Have you, have you entered into a discipline of excavating the raw materials of life that are stored deep within the minds of your own soul? Or, as is often the case, have you avoided that journey? Because, as many folks do with doctors, they'd rather remain ignorant of their diseases because that makes it seem like they're actually better than they are. I invite you, I encourage you, consider a journey that includes excavation, engaging in a willing submission to this heart surgery, and see if it doesn't lead you into a deeper intimacy with your savior, with your rabbi, and your friend. From that wellspring of a relationship, tell you into a mission and a calling that you have never experienced the depths of before. Heart surgery by dear Dr. Luke brought us, I believe, some of the most amazing details. Heart surgery by the Holy Spirit and by a trusted friend or a trusted group in your heart and life can, I believe, bring forth through excavation some amazing components of your life story that God can and wants to use to shape you, but also to be a connection for others. So I want to close this morning doing, doing two things. One, there's going to be a prayer that appears um, on your screen in, in just a moment. I would like you, like in your own space there, to, to pray this prayer along with me. And then I, I want to wrap up with just a, a short section of a song about being called higher by um, all sons and daughters that also grabbed my attention as it related to this message this morning. And uh, we're gonna close with that and then move, move on from there. So if we could pull up that prayer um, now on the screen, yeah. So I invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Father, we need a heart guide, a heart surgeon. Thank you for surgeons who can correct all the defects in our hearts. We confess that life flows from our heart. And so we will guard our hearts carefully and submit to the surgery you offer. Amen. So just a few lines from the song to, to close this morning, get you thinking. Um, it goes like this. I, I could just sit. I, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness hoping to feel your presence. And I could just stay. I could, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. I could hold on. I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. And I could be safe. Oh, I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home and never let these walls down.
but you have called me higher. You have called me deeper and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. So let your mercy light the path before me because you've called me higher. You have called me deeper and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters as they prepare for this coming new year, that they would hear the Holy Spirit inviting them to excavation, to dig deep into areas maybe they've never explored before, even though fearful and, and causing perhaps unpleasant feelings for a moment, remind us, Father, that always on the other side of fear is, is the goal, the desire, the dream that you have for us never just handed to us on a simple silver platter. We are invited to join you on a journey, sometimes painful, always, always worth it. So I pray for my dear friends of Community Bible Church that you would lead them on that journey. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.